It's another day, and I'm glad you're here. Welcome to April 28th on Iowa's Newsworthy Past. Today we'll be in Marshalltown, Iowa. So let's turn our attention to the Evening Times Republican on April 28th, 1900. I'm your host, Kristen Noonan. It's a pleasure to be your guide today. Let's roll. Hello, System for Tipton. Paul Brothers of Cedar Rapids went out at the special election. The special election held here yesterday to decide whether Hall Brothers of Cedar Rapids should be granted a franchise to erect and maintain a telephone exchange resulted in a victory for Hall Brothers by a majority of 104 votes. There was a fight made by Tipton capitalists who wanted to put in a telephone system and who argued that the franchise should be given to home people. The vote polled, however, was light, not more than half the normal. Hall Brothers already have 120 pledged subscribers in the city and will easily get at least 60 more. Besides furnishing a local exchange, they intend to make connections with all the important towns of eastern Iowa. In conversation last night, Mr. Hall said that it was his intention to commence work at once and push the system to completion at the earliest possible date. Nevada's Public Library, special to the Times Republican. Work on the Nevada Public Library building will probably be commenced at an early date on the lots opposite the Methodist Church which were purchased last fall by the city. The contract has been let to W.M. Rich of Ames. It's been donated by the estate of R.J. Silliman, late of this city. The building will be built of brick, two stories high, and will have a fine stone front. There will be a park on three sides of the structure and it will be one of which any city might be proud. The old skating rink, which was formerly occupied by D.M. Grove as an agricultural implement and harness warehouse, has been purchased by T.J. Lyman and is being moved onto his lot north of the Central Hotel. Nevada is soon to have its streets and houses numbered and enjoys the distinction of having a city directory, which was compiled by B.B. Child and is now being issued from the press of Benjamin Brothers, publishers of the Nevada Journal. R.A. Frazier has closed his elevator for 30 days for needed repairs. The debate on the subject of unrestricted immigration between the high schools of Ames and Nevada Thursday night resulted in a victory for the former. A number of our people drove over to Ames for the occasion. Federation Officers, City Federation of Women's Clubs holds annual meeting, names new officers. Mrs. C. M. Carr, chosen president, and Mrs. A. Jamie, recording secretary. 20th Century Club chooses officer, Mrs. H. J. Howe, president. The annual meeting of the City Federation of Women's Clubs 
was held Friday afternoon in the spacious parlors of the residence of Mrs. Charles Hull and a good representation from the 15 clubs comprising the Federation was present. Mrs. B. A. Morgan and Mrs. F. L. Meeker sang a Roses, which was much enjoyed. A paper by Fanny Knight Young of Chicago, a member of the Ravenswood Women's Club on the 12 greatest paintings in the world, was read by Mrs. A. Janey. The pictures thus designated were Leonardo da Vinci's Last Supper, Titian's Assumption of the Virgin, Raphael's Sistine Madonna, and the, and the Transfiguration, Correggio's Holy Night, Volterra's Descent from the Cross, Rubens' Descent from the Cross, Michelangelo's Last Judgment, and Murillo's Immaculate Conception. The paper, which was as comprehensive as could be expected when so many pictures were to be treated of in so short a space, was highly appreciated by the ladies. Copies of the pictures mentioned were shown during the descriptions. The reports of the officers were read and were very interesting, as showing the increase of the Federation's work. The report of the President, Mrs. Janey, was especially interesting and abounded in wit. One statement which called forth the plaudits of her audience was that the sound of the bell in the clock tower might be more audible if it had been engraved with the names of the Federation officers as well as those of the Council and Board of Supervisors. A nominating committee composed of Madame G. D. Frink, R. E. Sears, and V. A. Brundage was appointed and their report, when brought in, was unanimously adopted, thus electing the following officers. President, Mrs. C. M. Carr, Calisophian, Vice President, Mrs. W. E. Snelling, Women's, Recording Secretary, Mrs. A. Janey, and Trey New, Corresponding Secretary, Miss Agnes Thomas, Roundabout, Treasurer, Mrs. T. J. Fletcher, 20th Century, Auditor, Mrs. A. E. Wilbur, Unity. The afternoon was brought to a pleasant close by a piano solo by Miss May Wasson. 20th Century. The annual meeting of the 20th Century Club was the date for the election officers and the following were chosen. President, Mrs. H. J. Howe. Vice President, Mrs. M. L. McQuee. Recording Secretary, Mrs. C. C. Cottle. Corresponding Secretary, Mrs. Agerney Getz. Treasurer, Mrs. E. R. Lay. Auditor, Mrs. I. C. Spears, members of the Executive Board, Mrs. T. J. Fletcher, and Mrs. F. B. Garvin, with Mrs. D. A. Morgan and Mrs. A. A. Moore as holdover members. Mysterious find at Hedrick, blood-stained vest with knife cuts in back, discovered. Hedrick, April 28th. Mayor Spicer of this city has in his possession a blood-stained vest about which he is very desirous of gaining some information. 
The vest was found just north of the Milwaukee Depot last Tuesday morning and has three cuts in the back, as if someone had been stabbing at the wearer's heart. When found, the vest was thoroughly saturated with blood around the cuts, and the person who wore it must have bled very freely. The vest is of cheap material, is but little worn, and is about a size 38. Two front buttons are missing, and one has been torn out, taking a piece of cloth with it. It is surmised that the person who did the deed grabbed his victim by the front of the vest and then attempted to stab him in the heart. Nothing was found in the pockets except a few grains of coffee. The authorities kept the matter quiet until this morning in order that efforts might be made to learn more about the matter. The City in Brief A sneak thief, evidently a tramp, helped himself to the contents of F.B. Garvin's refrigerator Friday night, and this morning when Mrs. Garvin was preparing breakfast, she found a jar of butter, several eggs, a silver butter plate, and a nice new cake baked for Sunday missing. The refrigerator did occupy a place on the back porch. Now it is kept inside. Captain C.S. Aldrich left this morning for Tipton, where he will spend Sunday with his parents, Mr. and Mrs. W.W. Aldrich, it being his last visit to them before leaving for Alaska the latter part of next week. Captain Aldrich will sail from Seattle on the 20th, and so far as now known, it appears as if he were to make the trip alone. Dr. Allen of Tama, who expected to go at the same time, has sent word to Captain Aldridge that he has decided not to go. The Barlow boys will not go until a little later. This afternoon, Miss Marjorie Nichols entertained to celebrate her 12th birthday anniversary, a few of her girlfriends. At 5 o'clock, a light lunch was served by Mrs. T.P. Marsh, assisted by her daughter, Mrs. H.F. Marsh. The guests were Miss Zeta White, the hostess teacher, Maud, Maud Hawkins, Edna Benson, Maud Clark, Ruth Battis, Amy Helen, and Amy, Helen and Katie Wells, Helen Boardman, Jesse McMahon, Helen Huntington, Meta Schmidt, Anna Parsons, Ruth Balch, Margaret Wasson, Irene Eason, Lucille and Irene Wilson, and Gertrude Gregory. Mr. Collins Lynn, who is a student in the dental department of the Northwestern University at Evanston, arrived in the city this morning to be home for the wedding of his sister, Miss Vida Lynn, and Mr. Ralph Jackson, on Wednesday night. Mr. Austin Lynn, also a student at the Northwestern, stopped at Dubuque on the way home and will take the state examinations for a permit to practice during the summer. Mr. I. L. Bixby of Lizcombe, who is studying dentistry at the Northwestern, accompanied Mr. Lynn here and went on to his home at 9.45. Mrs. M. C. Huffaker was called to Cedar Rapids this morning by a message announcing the illness of her sister, Mrs. H. F. White. It is not thought that Mrs. White's condition is serious, although she suffers greatly with an abscess in the head. 
Officer Weaver was called to the West Yards this morning to remove a drunken railroad laborer from off the Central's main line. The man had fallen to sleep with a rail as a pillow, but was seen by switching crews before any of the trains pulled in. An alarm of fire from Box 318, corner of Boone and First Streets, called out the department shortly after 9 o'clock Friday night. The alarm was turned in on account of a threatened blaze at the home of Mr. and Mrs. William Helberg, 108 West Boone. A student lamp that was standing on a table had ignited a lace curtain that had blown over near the lamp. Mrs. Helberg pulled the curtain down and in doing so it ignited the fringe on a couch in the parlor. To, dis to extinguish the blaze of the couch, Mrs. Helberg used her bare hands with the result that both were quite badly burned. The damage to the room was very slight and the fire was out before the carts arrived. In fact, it was considered by the companies that the alarm was a false one. The courthouse clock seems to be suffering from the general spring complaint that is affecting humanity in general at present and went on a strike, rather refused to strike, Friday afternoon after 3 o'clock Friday, the clock did not announce the hours at all until about 10 o'clock this morning when it managed to strike nine times. Workmen have been engaged making the repairs today. And that's it for April 28th on Iowa's Newsworthy Past. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope you liked it. Episodes are released on Wednesdays and Fridays at 8 a.m. So put that on your calendar. Anyway, you can follow me on Instagram or Facebook. Just real easy. Search Iowa's Newsworthy Past. And I'll be there.